You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Take a minute, right where you're standing, just close your eyes and get a vision of Jesus as he hung on the cross in our place. And I want you to see the sacrifice he gave. And then I want you to hear the words that Jesus spoke in John chapter three when Nicodemus came to him at night with questions. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish but could have eternal life. And then I want you to realize that Jesus kept that promise when he gave his life. The father gave the son, then the son gave his life. And now the spirit gives us guidance and wisdom. And I want you to realize that when God gave Jesus and Jesus gave his life and we were given the Holy Spirit, it shows us that our God is a giver. Our God is generous. And he wants to bless you today with his word. So God, I pray right now you would fill us with your wisdom as we look to the scripture and continue worshiping you in the book of Proverbs. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Hey, high five somebody while you're sitting down. Spread some love around. Slap somebody on the hand and say, welcome to church today. I said, slap somebody on the hand, not on the head. I wanna make sure that you heard me pronounce the word. All right. If I've never met you before and I feel like I have to introduce myself every time I preach now because we have so many new people that God is bringing into our church. My name is Clayton King. I'm blessed to be an overseer and a teaching pastor here on the team at New Spring. And it's good to have you either watching online or on your campus right now. I wanna go ahead and dive into this great message today from this amazing book of the Bible. I love the book of Proverbs. That's where we're at during this particular series. And we're learning about God's wisdom. And you've heard from Lee and you've heard from Meredith and you'll hear it in this series, this phrase that we believe is what God wants for our church. And it's simply this, get God, get wisdom, get life. If you get God, you get wisdom. And when you get wisdom, you get life. Jesus called that the abundant life in John's gospel. And that's what we're learning about in the book of Proverbs. When we were working through this series, I got so excited because I've tried to, over the years, develop a holy habit of reading a chapter of Proverbs every day. And I've done that now for decades. And I miss some days. I don't wanna give you the impression I'm, I'm good every single day. What it does for you is if you read the book of Proverbs once a day, just one chapter a day, the chapters are very compact and easy to read. It's a practical book. You'll read the book of Proverbs once a month You'll read the book of Proverbs 12 times a year, extrapolate that out over 10 years and you can do the math and you can see that if you wanna get God and get wisdom and get life, get in the word of God and get in the book of Proverbs. So I'm gonna be in Proverbs today and we're gonna talk about God's view on money and what God has to say with his wisdom about how we handle our finances and how we handle our money. And I just want to ask you, when you hear someone say the word money, what kind of emotional response internally do you feel? Uh, Our emotions are connected to money. I think that's why it's one of the biggest themes in the Bible and why Jesus talked about money so much, because we all have an emotional response. 
depending on where you're at in life, what age, what stage you're in, uh, you may have a, a, a response of worry. You know, when you think about money, when you hear the word money, it causes anxiety, it causes fear. Can I tell you, sometimes it causes anger for me. I went to Ingalls this week and I walked out with four brown plastic sacks of groceries and it was $80. Jesus, take the wheel. I was like, how long is this gonna last? And so maybe you feel like you don't have enough you haven't worked long enough to earn or save as much as you'd feel comfortable. Maybe it causes in you a defensiveness when you hear someone talking about money. You, you, you immediately begin to bristle a little bit and you think to yourself, now, wait a minute, don't tell me what to do with my money. This is my money. I made this money. I earned this money. Keep your nose out of my business. This is my business, not your business. And I know that money can often cause people to feel a little defensive. I've been there. Or maybe when you hear the word money and you hear someone bring it up, your response is generosity. And you start to wonder, how can I use what God's given me to bless others and build the kingdom? How can I be a conduit? I've always thought about money this way. I wanna be a pipe and a plate. I wanna be a pipe that God delivers the, the water of life through, and I wanna be a plate that God brings the bread of life on. It's a good way to think about money. We all have emotional responses. But in Proverbs today, I wanna take five principles straight off the pages of Proverbs. There are more than these, but these are the five that I wanna really talk about today. And I wanna show you some things that God says about money because God does have a lot to say about it. And the reason why God cares, because you might be wondering, why does God care? Like, why does God even care about my money? And why does God have so much to say about what I do with it? Here's why. Couple of reasons. Number one, God loves you. And because God cares about us, God cares about how we're doing. He cares about the life we're living. God also cares about the people around you. He cares about others. He cares about the people you sit in class with, uh, work, uh, at your work environment, the people that you work beside. He cares about your family. He also cares about the people that we can bless with the resources that God has given us. That's why God cares about your money, because God cares about us and God cares about the people that we can help. But ultimately, God cares about our money because it's all his money. Well, what God has done is God has put his money in our hands. God has placed his resources in the hands of his people, the church. And I wanna give you a vision today and the time I've got to preach this of what you could do individually and what we could do collectively as a church when we hear what God has to say about our money, our wealth, and our resources so the first principle I wanna lay in, I wanna, I wanna make this, by the way, as plain and practical as possible today. No one's gonna walk out confused about what I said. I wanna make this as plain and as practical as I can. First principle, honor the Lord with your wealth. I'll say it again, honor the Lord with your wealth. Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10 Spell it out as plain as the nose on your face. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Look back at verse nine again. 
honor the Lord with your wealth. So I wanna encourage you, practically speaking, when you think about your income, when I think about my wealth, when we think about what we make, think of it not primarily as a way to increase our standard of living, but think of it as a way to increase our standard of giving. Think of it as a way to honor the Lord. Think of your work, think of the wealth that you create, the money you make, your paycheck. Think of it as belonging to God, but God has given it to you so that you can honor him with it. How? With your first fruits. With your first fruits. That's a verse that sometimes we see, but we skip over. But I wanna help you understand the word first fruits literally is, is this concept of the tithe And it starts in the Old Testament. And I believe it continues up until today. So when you were a Jewish person and you lived in Israel in the days of this writing and even in the days of Jesus, you were expected to tithe to the temple. And that tithe simply means tenth. It means one tenth. Ten cents out of a dollar, a dollar out of a hundred. It means tenth. And that tithe was brought to the temple, but not so that the temple or the people who worked there or the priests could get wealthy, but so that that wealth could be combined with other people's wealth and then used to bless those who needed help, those that needed food, widows, orphans, those that could not fend for themselves. That's why the Bible says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. And so the writer of Proverbs with wisdom wants to say to us, the best way to honor the Lord with your wealth is with the first fruits of all you produce. Now, you know what we believe here at New Spring, and if you're new and you've just heard this for the first time, we believe in the tithe. Now, that's something that you have to decide as to whether or not you're gonna trust the Lord with that. But I wanna tell you, I wanna brag on you, New Spring. I wanna encourage you today. I wanna tell you what a great job you've done just in the last seven years. This will blow your mind. If you don't know this already, buckle up. In the last seven years, you, church, and I'm part of this church, so I can say collectively, we have paid off $45 million in debt in seven years. $45 million. Think about all that we can do now for the kingdom of God so that everybody everywhere can have an everyday relationship with Jesus because we're not paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest every single year on a loan to a bank. Let me tell you something else that you've done. Let me brag on your new spring. In that same seven years that we've paid off $45 million in debt, New Spring Church decided, the leadership of our church decided that we weren't gonna just tell you to tithe, that our church was actually going to tithe. New Spring Church gives 10% of everything we take in to missions, missionaries, outreach organizations, like-minded ministries, crisis pregnancy care centers. We give it to missionaries. We have some missionaries here today at our church and our gatherings that our church is able to support financially. And we've given away $25 million to like-minded ministries, church planning organizations, missions agencies in your city, right where your campus is located. 
And let me, let me boast in the Lord. Our ministry, so I'm a teaching pastor here, but I also have a ministry that Shari and I started uh, 27, 28 years ago called Crossroads. We're in the middle of our summer camps right now. Our ministry is the recipient of some of that generosity. We're one of hundreds of organizations that New Spring she- uh, partners with as they shepherd and steward the money that God has put in this storehouse called the local church. Let me tell you what's happened in the last five weeks. We're in the middle of our summer camp season and we're not even done. We've got another week, starts tomorrow. You guys can pray for us, but let's rejoice in this. At Crossroads Summer Camps, in the last five weeks, we have seen 1,319 teenagers give their lives to Christ for salvation. 1,319. Additionally, we've seen 528 students and leaders respond to a call to ministry saying, here's my future. I feel called to ministry. God, take my future. My life's on the altar. Additionally, students at our summer camps will have 6,200 campers at Crossroads this summer when it's all said and done have given $40,000 in missions love offerings. Missions, $40,000. People say teenagers don't have money. No, they got money. It's probably mom and dad's money, but they got money. And you know what we do at camp? We tell our students, you should give. And then we tell them why they should give. And then we give them a chance to give. We pass buckets. We used to pass KFC buckets and they didn't last. And so now we have to pass plastic buckets that, you know, that don't fall apart. $40,000 they've given. New Spring, you have sown into that soil. This is what we can all do when we trust God's wisdom on wealth. We become a city on a hill. We become a sending agency. We don't just take money and hoard it and store it. We send it out into the world. That's how we as a church honor the Lord with our wealth. Now, I'm gonna give you a practical step after every one of these principles. Here's the practical step to principle number one, honor the Lord with your wealth. Here's what I do. I wanna encourage you to do this. Start tithing if you're not tithing. That's the practical step. That's it. That's the tweet. Start tithing. Start tithing. And if you want to debate about whether or not the tithe is New Testament, come and find me or Pastor Brad or Pastor Dan or one of our lead pastors, and and we'll talk to you about that. I just believe that God would expect us who live in the richest culture that's ever existed in the history of the world to give at least what he demanded of the poorest Jewish peasants 2,000 years ago. Oh, and if you haven't started tithing, or if you do tithe and sometimes you forget, here's a practical, doable step for you. Automate your tithe. Automate it. Set it up to come out of your bank account every week or every month. Set it to go to a credit card every week or every month. Dave Ramsey would rebuke me if I said, use a credit card. So whatever works for you, okay, automate it. Then you don't forget about it. Oh, and by the way, let's not, and I'm gonna say some things today, like a dad, okay? All right? Let's not pat ourselves on the back for tithing. Because when you tithe, that's good, but you know what that means? It just means you're not robbing from God. Malachi literally says, you have robbed from me. And when the people said, how have we robbed from you? He says, you have withheld your tithes and offerings. Tithing is the first step to honoring the Lord with your wealth. Practical step, 
Start tithing 10%. And I know some of y'all, you, you like me, you're doing the math in your head. Well, do I tithe off the gross or the net? I don't know. Make up your mind, choose, pick, let the Holy Spirit lead you. But do you want God to bless the net or do you want God to bless the gross? So start tithing and set it up, automate it. You can do that on our website. It's easy to do. Start there, honor the Lord with your wealth. Point number two, y'all getting this? Are we having a good time yet? Hard work pays off. That's a principle from Proverbs. Now, I might have a little bit of fun with this because I'm 50. And I had a dad that believed hard work was supposed to happen six days a week. When I went off to college up in, up in the wilds of North Carolina, I could not believe there were people that had a two-day weekend growing up. Because we worked on Saturday like we were putting out fire on the farm. I grew up with a strong work ethic. Now, I understand that, that the pendulum can swing too far. Some of us are workaholics. But can I just say that I have observed a change in American culture? I'm gonna step up to the edge of the stage because I wanna get good and close. I've observed a change in American culture over the last 15 or 20 years. I don't think that many of us are, are under some kind of danger of burnout anymore. I actually think the pendulum may have swung the other way. And I think that laziness is a much bigger problem than hard work. So let me just preach on that for a second. Actually, I'm just gonna let the Bible preach on that for a second. Proverbs chapter 10, verses four and five. Don't get mad at me, get mad at God. Pro don't get mad at God, obey God. Prover feel mad and then obey, okay. Proverbs chapter 10, verses four and five. Listen to what the, the, the Proverbs say. A slack hand or laziness, that's another translation. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Okay, you love me, church. I love y'all. Can we have a talk here for a second? Can we talk about it? Come on, Kelsey. Can we talk, brother? You texted me yesterday and you told me I could preach today, so I'm gonna do it. You're on the second row cheering me on. Get my back, all right? I understand the need for vacation. I love vacation. I just went on vacation. I love weekends off. I love the lake, got a boat. I love um, Saturdays, lazy days. I've got a Harley Davidson. I wrote it yesterday. I believe in rest. Rest is a biblical concept. Laziness is not. We are called to rest. We are rebuked for our laziness. God is under no, uh oh, I'm about to say something here. God is under no obligation to take care of people who can work but refuse to work. No obligation. And, and, and look, I understand the need for self-care. I'm not even trying to, I'm not trying to throw shade. I understand the need for self-care. But when you work hard at something, you know what the, the proverb says, that, that when you work hard at what you do and you gather in the summer, like you work when it's time to work, that you are a prudent or a wise person. But if you sleep during harvest, in other words, you ought to be at work, but you're just sleeping in. You ought to be making money. You ought to be at a job, but 
This is a concept that we see in America, but we're waiting on something that fulfills us. Let me tell you what fulfills you, a paycheck. A paycheck fulfills you, also fills a bank account. So if we're sleeping when it's time to harvest, you know what the Bible calls that? Shameful. Now, I know we don't like the word shame, and God never wants to shame us because of our sin. He never wants to shame us because of our past. God never wants to shame me because of the sins I've committed. But I will say what the Bible says. It is a shameful thing to expect somebody else to take care of you when God has given you the ability to take care of work and make money from your work. And there is an amount of shame that is good for us. And we've lost that in America. We've lost the ability to see shame as a gift from God. I'm ashamed for my sin. I'm ashamed of the things I've done. That brings me to God. I receive his mercy as I repent of sin. We've also lost the concept that hard work is not a curse, it's a blessing. You do know, I'm gonna tear here. You do know that Adam and Eve were called to work in the Garden of Eden before they fell. Work is not a, a product of the fall. The sweat of our brow is a product of the fall. But God told Adam and Eve to work the ground and till it and bear the fruit of it. He also told them to be fruitful and multiply. Work is a blessing from God and hard work pays off. My dad used to say, there's a place you go when you're broke and it's called your job. I can hear his voice in my ears from heaven. He's probably up there right now going, Jesus, look at my boy. He was listening. He was listening. Hard work is a blessing. A slack hand, though, causes poverty. Look, don't make excuses. Don't blame the system. Don't wait for the government to keep you up. I understand some people can't work. That's an exception. Some people that cannot physically have the ability to work a job, we should care for them. We must care for them. It's a gift of God to care for them. People that need help, that need assistance, it should be our joy. Look, I don't like paying taxes, but when I see my tax dollars actually helping people in need, I rejoice in that. That is, that is a, one of the best parts about our, our country and living here in this nation. But if we're just not working because we don't want to, then God says that kind of activity brings Shame. So what can you do practically? Here's the answer. See your work as a primary way to worship. Stop looking at your job as something you have to do and look at it as a place you get to go and worship Jesus. That paycheck that comes in, when you see that money and you're like, I thought it would be a lot more than that. Uncle Sam took his pound of flesh. He took it. I didn't give it willingly. Uncle Sam took it, but I'm gonna give willingly to God because it's all his anyway. God, this is not just an obligation. This is my worship to you. Number three, slow and steady wins the race with money. Slow and steady wins the race with money. Proverbs 13, 11 spells it out so simply. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Say that again, wealth gained hastily will dwindle. In other words, you don't really ever get rich quick, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. It's slow and steady. It's investing just a little bit at a time. In other words, <laughs> the scratch-off ticket is not your investment idea. 
It might be an idea, but it's a bad one. And you're probably not gonna win the lottery. And I hope you don't, because statistically, if you win the lottery, you get rich for a minute, and then you're broke. I'm talking broke is a joke. I'm talking college broke, and all your friends hate you, and your marriage is falling apart. I mean, terrible things happen to almost everybody that wins the lottery. This is not the way God wants us to live. He wants us to work hard and then slowly invest a little bit at a time, gaining wealth, gathering it little by little. Albert Einstein, widely considered to be one of the smartest human beings of the last 500 years, when he was asked what surprises him most about the universe, do you know what Albert Einstein said? Compounding interest. Compounding interest. So practically, how do we do this? How do we put this wisdom to to work? Invest small amounts now. Start investing now. You're like, I don't have any money to invest. You think you don't but I'm just gonna ask us all a question. When's the last time you went to Starbucks? I love Chick-fil-A. I love it. I don't love spending $15 every time I go there. So you know what I've learned? My parents were right when I was a kid. We did have food at home. We did all that time. We had food at the house. We say we can't invest little by little, but what we really mean is I don't wanna do the hard work of saying no to something I really want, so I'm gonna say I can't, when in reality, I ought to say I just don't wanna do it. Invest a little bit at a time. How? Roth IRA, simple IRA, buy a used car, buy a car cheap enough that you can pay cash for it and not have to take out a loan on it. And eventually, maybe invest in some real estate, put some money in savings. And I know I'm living in the same world y'all are where interest rates are through the roof and inflation makes me wonder who in the world is, uh, nope, I'm gonna stop right there. I'm looking, I'm living in the same world y'all are living in. To where you thought, how am I going to invest? Where can I put this money right now? And can I just tell you right now, there is a savings account through an organization called the Wesleyan Investment Foundation. And they're paying 5%, 5% interest on a, on a savings account. Do your homework and just start putting a little bit away here and there. I've got a little bit of money in there. Why? Because I want to save up little by little. I'm not waiting to find a buried treasure off the coast of North Carolina. I'm not watching specials on Discovery Channel going, I think I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go. No, no, I am working hard and I'm investing little by little so that one day when I'm gone, I can leave something to my children and also leave something to the kingdom because this is the vision. Everyone, everywhere in an everyday relationship with God What if all of us, what if you and I together, 20,000 people at New Spring Church, what if we all applied this wisdom and what if we all began to think slow and steady, slow and steady, slow and steady, investing a little bit, tithing, prioritizing God, working hard. We could make so much of a difference. Number four, take care of your business. Take care of your business. This is actually my favorite proverb when it comes to money and finances. It's Proverbs 27, 23 through 24. It tells us to take care of our business. It says this, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds for riches do not last forever 
and does a crown endure for all generations? Okay, look at that first part of that first verse, 23. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. Most of us at New Spring don't have herds and flocks anymore. You might have a couple of animals. You probably got a dog, that probably a Labradoodle or a Golden Doodle lives in your house. You might have a cat, don't know what to say to you. But if we have animals, they're pets. Most of us aren't living like they lived back then. But this was their wealth. Their herds and their flocks was their wealth. That was their retirement. That was the inheritance they were gonna leave to their sons and daughters. And you know what the, the, uh, the, the Proverbs wisdom is here? You need to understand how your herds are doing. You need to have an eye on them. Pay attention to these kind of things. How does this apply to us? Pay attention to your money. The average American right now has $6,200 in credit card debt. That's just credit card debt. That's not home mortgages, that's not student loans, or maybe you got yours forgiven, I have no idea. That's not um, how much you owe in your car, that's not how much your health insurance is. $6,200 in credit card debt. Also, the average American right now, because I know, I know some, I've heard this, I've had pushback over the years as I've taught on this. A lot of people say, well, I'm just so busy, I'm just so busy, I don't have time. If you don't have time to pay attention and give careful attention to your finances, you're too busy and something needs to be edited out of your life. Can, can I just give you some practical tips here? Because I can tell you some things. Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Apple TV, Hulu, Voodoo, your VHS. Some of y'all don't even know what VHS is. I don't even know what I'm talking about. The average American, listen to this. The average American, I checked it on four different sources, now spends, the average American, nine hours a day on a screen. Now, some of us have to do that because of work. I spend a lot of time looking at a screen. My phone is basically what used to be my laptop, what used to be my desktop. And before that, what used to be my spiral notebook, Okay. But all of us could delete something out of our life to make more margin, to practice giving and generosity so that we could together be the church of God that's making a difference in the world, sharing the gospel so that everyone everywhere can have an everyday relationship with Jesus. I, I've been uh, coaching men for probably the last uh, 13 years, 14 years in, in a coaching network, guys that wanna go into ministry. I do an entire session on money. And here's what I ask them to do. I always tell them, get out a notebook and I'm, I'm gonna give you all two minutes to do this. Take a pen and get out a piece of paper. Make a line down the middle. On this column, I want you to write everything you spend in a month. Everything. Off the top of your head. And on this column, I want you to write how much you make. Actually, I do it backwards. It's how much you make over here, how much you spend over here. And I said, you can't consult your phone. So turn it upside down, put it on airplane mode. Can't look at your phone. Never had a single guy be able to do it in two minutes that knows everything they make and everything they spend. I'm guilty of this too. So many of us are just not paying attention because we're busy. But that's a lie from the enemy to tell us that we're too busy to prioritize the wisdom of God's word. We can, we can. It'll amaze you if you make that list and you see how much you're spending versus how much you're making. When you see it in black and white, that information doesn't have feelings and it doesn't care if it hurts your feelings. And maybe God needs to hurt some of our feelings to get our attention. New Spring, since we paid off our $45 million in debt, can I tell you something? I need to say this, our giving is down. The number of givers is down, just slightly. 
And I think a lot of us have stopped giving and a lot of us have stopped tithing or a lot of us are like, well, church isn't in debt anymore. We paid off our debt. I don't need to give now. It's not about getting out of debt. We don't give to get out of anything. We give because God first gave to us and now we've joined in the mission of God to reach the world with the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we give. It's not so that anyone can live an easier life. It's not so that anybody can get rich. It's not so that you can give more so that God will give you more and make you rich. That's prosperity gospel. Let me tell you what I believe about the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is this. My greatest prosperity happened when Jesus Christ died on the cross in my place and wiped my sins away with his blood and raised from the dead on the third day. That is where my prosperity lies. So practically, how can you take care of your business? I'm just gonna rapid fire go through these. Open your mail when it comes. Open the email bill when you get it. Pay the bills when they're due. And here's one, spend less than you make. And you won't know how much you're spending or how much you're making if you don't make a list and memorize it. And finally, the fifth and final piece of wisdom from Proverbs about money and generosity. It's real simple. Avoid debt and be generous. Avoid debt and be generous. Proverbs 22, verses seven through nine. Let this speak to you. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity and the rod of his fury will fail. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. So many of us can't be generous because we're under the weight of debt. So pay off debt as soon as you can. Start with the smallest debt you have. Pay that off, build momentum. Show yourself you can actually do it. Then move to the next debt and pay that one off and then move to the next one. And, and then just... As much as you can, as you begin to pay down those debts, develop what the Bible calls a bountiful eye, looking for people that have need, looking for opportunities to be generous, sharing your bread with others. And that begins by bringing the tithe into the storehouse, the church, so that we together can come together as the people of God. I mean, look, we don't have a debt to pay off, but you know what we're doing? We're putting every single campus in a permanent location. That's one of our big visions here at New Spring. We're also planting 10 churches by 2030. We've put that before you over and over again. How do we get there? Everybody pulling together, getting out of debt, looking for opportunity to be generous, developing a bountiful eye. And I'm just gonna give you one practical way that you can do this. For the sake of time, let me tell you something my dad taught me. I know we live in a digital age. And everybody's got Apple Pay on their phone and credit cards that used to have to swipe them and then you could just easily insert them and now you just like tap them. And now I think Amazon or somebody has developed a deal where you can like scan your handprint and put your handprint on a card reader and it will debit money out of your account. And I'm telling y'all right now, you can do that, but I ain't doing that. I read too many Jesus is coming back left behind books in the 1990s and it looks too much like the mark of the beast for this old boy from Fountain Inn, okay? So here's what my dad taught me to do as a kid. If you wanna develop a bountiful eye, if you wanna avoid debt and be generous, ask yourself, how can I be generous to people? Carry some cash. 
This is just one way outside of everything else I've already said. If you don't have any cash in your pocket and you meet somebody on the street in need, how are you gonna help them? They need a meal, they need a ride, they need a flat tire fixed. How are you gonna help them? Or maybe it's just that somebody needs something, the Lord inspires you to give it. Man, chances are they're not gonna have something set up on their phone where you can scan your Apple Pay. Carry some cash. My dad called it walking around money. And that way you can have a bountiful eye that looks for the opportunity to, as Proverbs would say, share your bread with others. These are practical things that we can do, that we can do individually, that help us collectively as the church make a difference in our communities where we've already been able to bless hundreds and hundreds of churches, families, ministries, and missions agencies. So I'm gonna invite you right now to stand up on your feet as we prepare to respond to this message. I don't know what the Lord has spoken to you today, but I'm gonna tell you how we can respond. There are several ways that we can respond. First of all, at every campus, we have communion available for you. I'm gonna ask our communion volunteers to come and take their places around your room. We also have, this is for believers. If you're a Christian, we want you to take communion today. If you need prayer for anything, maybe prayer for your finances, prayer for your marriage, for health, for healing, for physical healing, we've got prayer teams set up. There are folks all around your room right now that are volunteers that, that wanna pray with you if you need help. So you can find them and respond that way. You can respond by worshiping and singing. You can respond by giving. You can automate your giving online or you can give with a give box as you leave. Or you can respond by salvation. Maybe today while Jesus has been speaking through this message, you've realized that money has become an idol to you, that money is more of a God to you than God is. And maybe you're convicted that you need to give your life to Jesus today. And if that's you, I'm gonna tell you how to do that right now before we respond. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the word of God. It never returns void and we're gonna trust it's gonna do the work that you ordained it to do. As people begin to respond in just a moment. Now, with our eyes closed and our hearts open, over all of the South Carolina and even watching online, if you need to give your life to Jesus, if you know that you need to be saved, if you need assurance of salvation because you've never had it and you want it today, you just have to ask Jesus to save you and repent of your sin. And here's how you do that. You can do it right now. I want you to do it right now. Pray this to Jesus if you mean it and if you felt him prompt you Jesus, I need you to rescue me. I believe in you, Jesus, and I need you. So I turn away from my sin. I admit that I'm a sinner, but I receive your mercy and I believe in you with all my heart. Save me right now, Jesus. I ask you to take control and help me follow you. In Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, everybody look at me for a second. In your room is a cross, and I'm gonna go ahead and invite people to begin to move to take communion in your room right now. You can go ahead and move, and as people are moving, if you just prayed that prayer, find the cross in your room and go let someone know that you gave your life to Jesus. Now let's respond in any number of ways that are available right now. 
thanks for listening to the New Spring Church podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.